How hard did you push it? Till I black out? Yes. Numerous times, yes. Hey, this is Chris. This is Ashton. We are the Municipals Podcast. How you doing today? Good. It's Monday. Uh, didn't get to play golf this weekend because we were supposed to get a bunch of rain, which we really did not get. Um, but yeah, don't mind a little bit of a break because recently I've been unable to hit a wedge on the green. So at least for right now, it's uh, it's kind of good to take a little R&R until hopefully I can get a little bit more dialed in. What about you? Yeah, with uh, the recovering hammy, um, it seems like it's a reoccurring issue. Um, Wait, tell, we haven't talked about this. What, what happened to the hammy? <laughs> Uh, well, six months ago, tore the hammy, um, decided to only take a short, uh, break from golf, uh, which was not doctor, doctor recommended. Um, so, um, you know, rehabbed it for about a month and then decided to get out there and go on a trip with, uh, you guys, uh, kind of just, uh, limped my way through that that golf trip which we'll probably get into at a later podcast um and uh then proceeded to continue to golf and not stretch and not do what a uh, physical therapist tells you to do so um sick a couple weeks ago pulled it again so taking it easy haven't really been playing um the last couple weeks but probably try to get out there after the uh the rain and stuff in california stops this week so yeah well, it just shows. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about this shortly, but I've actually not known Big Chris very long, but didn't know that story. We've spent a lot of time on the golf course together. Like he said, we're on a golf trip and well, I'm about to say learn something new about Chris's body, but that's, you know, I, I know that's going to sound, but it's also true. Did not know that you tore your hamstring. Yeah. Not, not an enjoyable thing. I mean, when COVID hit, uh, me and the wife, uh, retreated to, uh, Portland and I proceeded to play 36 holes a day, four days a week. Um, and when you get into your thirties and you don't stretch and you don't exercise at all besides play golf um your body deteriorates and will finally start breaking on you and my hamstring was the part to break so yeah well i'm turning 29 this year so i'm excited to figure out in a very short amount of time what part of my body is going to fall apart at least you're more limber than i have i probably haven't stretched in 10 years maybe 15 who knows um not limber haven't been able to touch my toes probably in five so you know you know that that's all real good news for the for the golf swing yeah well uh so this doesn't turn into a stretching podcast uh big chris what did you want to talk about tonight so tonight since it's our our maiden voyage into the uh, municipals podcast thought we'd Indeed. introduce ourselves to the listeners um so like we were just talking about how did we meet um so it's kind of an interesting story um i don't know how many people are familiar with the random golf club um but both of us were avid followers um and listeners of the random golf club and all their their media um and so uh we i myself was invited to this group um that was created by now one of our really good buddies kanan um and aaron munda um to the chapter of random golf club in san francisco um and then from there i started posting tea times to go out and play with people um and posted about trying to do a golf trip 
um, in the midst of, of, uh, you know, a pandemic and see what, what was to come of that. And uh, we'll get further into that in another podcast, but, and then I got the privilege to meet Ashton. Yeah. Yes. Similar, obviously similar story. Um, I remember for me, so I moved from Atlanta. So I lived in San Francisco previously, spent about a year and a half in Atlanta and decided to move back to San Francisco well, well before COVID, um, but actually made the move was supposed to be in March and then ended up doing it in August of, of 2019 or no, 2020, because what is time? Uh, but I vividly remember I had followed Random Golf Club San Francisco knowing I was moving. Uh, saw them posting tea times and thought that was really cool because at least one of the things for me that I'm sure we'll talk about is I love public golf. I love the accessibility factor. But one thing I always struggled with is I just played a lot of golf by myself. And to be clear, if I'm by myself, I'm fine with that. But I generally got paired with people who it's not about skill. It's much more about a different vibe uh, than I was hoping to have, or, um, you know, also too, like people who just don't really play much and, or people who don't know the etiquette. Again, I learned from my dad. Uh, he told me when I was a kid, it does not matter how good you are. It's simply, you, if you know the rules and play fast, no one will ever say a word. And just people who don't play much golf, play three, four times a year. They generally don't play fast and they don't know the etiquette. And that was kind of always a struggle Especially during COVID. No. And again, that's the hard part is you're so excited to see new people on the course, but that can also be a bit of a double-edged sword, which we'll talk about. And there are certain rounds that we can talk about recently that we've had. But so I, so I saw these, uh, these posts and I was like, you know, I actually remember, I think I didn't know it was Canada at the time, but I responded and said, Hey, I'm moving out at some point And like, would love to take you up on this. Um, and sure enough, I remember that they posted one of their first meetups at Glen Eagles golf course, which is a kind of a really fun, uh, nine hole track in San Francisco. And I was in the middle of moving. So I remember I was in line at the Chick-fil-A in St. Louis, Missouri. And I DM'd, I didn't know it was Canaan, but random golf club and said, Hey, I'd like to join. And he said, Cool, love to have you. Excited you're moving. Uh, you know, send $35 to I, I Venmoed the general manager of uh Glen Eagles. And he was like, he's like, Don't worry, it's legit. I was like, this definitely feels a little strange. This is so just a little info on Glen Eagles. Glen Eagles is one of the most like down to earth public golf courses that you're ever going to come across across the entire United States. It's not even just like in, in the city, it's like anywhere you go. And Thursdays out there after work cash games during the summer, it gets crazy. I've heard stories from people that work at Glen Eagles that, you know, quarter million to a half million dollars can be lost on that golf course on a Thursday afternoon. So what you're saying is we're going to get those people on the podcast for sure. If I, I need to get connected with those people so we can have some conversations because there's probably some interesting stories that are going to come out of that type of money being lost. Yeah, no, we had a great, we got a great hangout. But the funny thing is Chris is probably one of the most, one of the reasons I already appreciate him so much as a new friend, but already a good friend is you're not going to meet someone who tries harder than Chris. Like if he's in, he's in and there's no, he has, I, I told my buddy earlier, he's got two speeds. He's either on or he's off very similar to me. Uh, and so he posted in the group all the time, but we never played together because he also lives in Antioch, which is not far from San Francisco, but far enough that like we wouldn't intersect probably much without golf. Uh, and then, yeah, basically the first time I ever met the guy, it was a four-day golf trip where he picked me up at my uh, Airbnb in San Francisco at, it was either 4.45 or 5 a.m. Uh, I and lived if, 
Antioch at 3.45 in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. So he, so this guy, uh, big, the only guy I've ever known is big Chris pulls up in a minivan and I'm like, we're going to go spend four days of golf together. And I think we both feel like coming out of that, I was like, well, that's my homie right there. And, and I think since, since then we've played already a lot of golf, but again, that was only a couple months ago. So our friendship is new, but like, you know, I think we both will talk about this as well. You know, you really find a connection to some of the golf course and it really kind of fast tracks your friendship in a aggressive and kind of really fun way. Definitely. I mean, that golf trip coming out of that, I mean, none of us knew each other and we took kind of a, kind of a big risk, you know, going yeah. on a four day trip, staying in, you know, hotel rooms with each other and, yeah. you know, spending four to five hours in a confined space with people that, you know, I've only golfed with one of the four people that we went with Jack prior to the, um, prior to the trip. So, you know, I didn't know anybody's personalities or how it was going to click. So it was really interesting. And I, you know, I planned out a trip to where like we really got to hit some iconic golf courses through um, central California. And we had just such a blast. Again, we're going to get that into that. In, Ooh, that, that uh, that'll be an podcast. entire pod. Yeah. That'll yeah, be an entire pod. pod. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, so, that's, so that's how we met each other. And then like kind of usually happens with me and Chris, we were having some other conversation. And I just remember he was like, should we start a, a golf podcast? And I was like, I've podcasted a little bit and was like, yeah. And, and I'll kind of like Chris kind of, cause again, he was the real driver behind the idea. But when he said municipal golf podcast, that's all I had to hear. Cause We'll talk about this shortly, but muni golf and public golf has been kind of a part of my blood since I was a kid. Yeah. And I mean, that's the lead into the next segment. I mean, what makes us love public golf? And to be honest, um, public golf is what I grew up on. Um, so I grew up in, you know, San Jose, California and South Bay. Um, our local muni close to my house was this little nine holer called Prune Ridge Golf Course, uh, golf course. and really cool little place between San Jose uh, and Santa Clara. Um, they had great youth programs free for kids on Saturdays. So my parents would drop me off every Saturday when I was nine years old until I was 12 or 13, right when I started high school. And every Saturday I went through a whole, you know, golf clinic and, uh, you know, hang out with the same kids every Saturday. And, um, it was only $5 for us to play the course because, um, they had a junior rate, um, that was unbeatable anywhere in the Bay area. Uh, kids are much more fortunate now, uh, with the youth on course program. Um, it didn't exist when I was a kid, but youth on course, you pay, you know, 65 or something like that membership and you get to play thousands of courses across the United States for five bucks. That's crazy. Um, crazy deal for kids. We didn't have that. So we were really lucky to have Prune Ridge right around the corner from our house. And to this day, anytime I'm in the area, I'd love to pop in and just get an hour and a half, nine hole, you know, nine nine round in and it's super easy um they're always friendly the same you know some of the same staff is still there um really and you know that was over 20 years ago um when i used to when i started going there so you know public golf is really close to my heart 
Um, I played high school golf um, on the high school team. I was uh, captain of our team starting freshman in high school, and I was on varsity from freshman to senior year. Um, and all we did was play public courses around around the Bay Area. And we were really lucky and fortunate enough to have one of the best public courses in the Bay Area as our home course, Coyote Creek Golf Club, um, which is out near um, Morgan Hill in between San Jose. And if anybody's been in the area in that area, I mean, they used to hold the ch uh, Champions Tour down there um, when they used to call it the Senior Tour. Um, and uh so I got to see like Lee Trevino and Jack and all those guys come through uh, the track that I got to call my home course for high school. So, you know, the public golf and you as a person that's been living in the uh, Bay Area for, you know, a short time have gotten out and experienced a lot of it. Yeah. I mean, we're very spoiled uh, when it comes to public golf out here. Um, and I'm sure you can talk a little bit about um how it was growing up in Atlanta compared to the Bay Area. Yeah, because I, I had a very different experience. So well, I guess to start off, um, so I, I don't want to answer the next question that we're going to talk to you too much, but so much of golf all to me ties back to my dad, who we'll, we'll kind of talk about our connection to golf and how we got into it in a second. Um, but my dad, what I learned as a kid, there's a sort of irony that I'll talk about because, you know, my dad, his, him, his growing up, he actually was a member of a private club through his parents and golf was really his refuge because, um, let's just say that my grandmother and grandfather were not very happily married. The home situation wasn't always ideal and the golf course was my dad's escape. Um, so they were lucky enough to, you know, to be a member at a private club. It's called Druid Hills. It's still there. I've never played it, but it's a from what I've heard, it's a very kind of nice in town course in Atlanta, but it was my, re it was the refuge uh, for my dad. But as he got older and you wasn't a member anywhere, uh, he really kind of, made friends with a bunch of guys who in my mind this is sort of the seed of random golf club in its own way my dad called it hobo golf the idea of like we just make a tea time and go pay and play it's not a matter of who we know it's not a matter of connections it's not a matter of you know you pay your own greens fees and you have twenty dollars and one dollar bills in your pocket you play a little bit and you drink beer and you go home um, and that's kind of what my dad taught me when I was a kid, because he told me, um, you know, cause I definitely, once I started to get a little bit of the golf itch, you know, I wanted more, I wanted more, you know, like he started to teach me about, I think we all know about greens, right? Once he starts teaching me about, he shows me good greens. We're like, well, well, that course, you know, that, that private course with my friends, it's like, yeah, but that's not what you're going to play. Cause my dad's rule was there was a course around the corner called North Fulton. I called it Chastain cause Chastain park is this kind of park in the middle of Atlanta. Uh, but the course is called North Fulton. My dad's deal was he always told me, he's like, I'm never going to buy you new clubs, but like, you'll always have clubs that fit you. They'll always be like clubs that like, you know, when I say he approves of, I didn't mean he's some arbiter, but like, he's not going to put me in bad stuff. Right. But I remember my first ever seven, it was Cleveland TA seven irons, my first ever. So I'm a lefty also. So it's a little bit harder for me, but Cleveland TA seven irons were barely touched. We got him at played against sports, which I don't know if that's out here, but it's like a sports basement. Yep. We got um, him out here. Yeah. And he's like, cool that you're going to play those. And North Fulton, I think as a kid, it was, it was 300 and I might get the number a little wrong, but I think it was $345 for a 12 month. All you can play as a kid. So you flash the card, 
like go as many times as you want over and over and over again. Uh, very small putting green. Uh, you could chip some, but like it wasn't worth it. Um, it was also very tilted, so it wasn't very helpful. All the putts kind of went to the same spot. No driving range. Uh, also centered all, all the way around by cars, ironically. So, you know, there's holes where you could add, like, I definitely like hit some windshields as a kid. Um, but yeah, but my dad's rules, like, again, he was like, he was very generous being like, you can play North Fulton and public golf as much as you want. I'll always make sure you have clubs, but his whole thing was um, really teaching me at an early age that in fact, if you show up on the first tee as a kid with all of the best equipment or you show up and you only want to play, play private clubs, he actually said to me, he said, that's a lot of things. That's not golf. And that always stuck with me. So again, I, I grew up, I mean, I think for me, I played a lot of baseball when I was a kid. Um, my dad's philosophy funny how I'm, I'm blending these two topics together, but I can't in my, I can't nod in my situation, but he told me as a kid that, and this is his suggestion for when we have kids, Chris, he said, the two things are, you have to always have clubs that fit your kid so that if they ask to go with you, they have like a set that works for them. So my dad would always invite me when he goes to the range. I would say, I would say no 80% of the time, 90% of the time. But I remember vividly when I got to high school, uh, I remember I was my first day of football practice. The guy who was running back was six, three and had a full beard. And I found out that he played my position at baseball. And I literally got in the car and I said, I'm going to play golf. That's it. Like, and sure enough, his name's Cash Manzelli. He was an all American in baseball and basketball at the Naval Academy. So I made the, you guys can't see me because it's a podcast, but I'm a curly headed, normal dude. Like <laughs> he made the, he made the right choice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he had like full chest hair when we were like in ninth grade. <laughs> so that's when I kind of made the switch. But I remember vividly though, I was playing fall baseball when I was 13 years old, I'd play a fall baseball game. And then I would tell my dad, cause because the baseball field was right next to the golf course. I would go play nine holes with my dad in my baseball uniform. And that is when I knew that I wanted to be a golfer. Yeah. I mean, that's once you got, once you're hooked and you, and you're done playing baseball and you want to go straight to the golf course. I mean, you've got the, you've got the bug for sure. I mean, like, like, like baseball sock pants rolled up so you can see my socks mud on them hitting my driver off the first tee. See, that's the dream. Yeah. Uh, See, so that leads, you know, for me, um, you know, leading into that, um, the person that got me into golf was same thing. It was definitely my dad. Um, but the person that kept me playing golf was my grandmother. Hmm. Um, so my dad's mother, um, who I call, uh, Mamu. Uh, so Mamu, uh, every Sunday, um, we'd rotate between three different courses in the area. Uh, we had sunken gardens. Um, we had blackberry cool farms, uh, wow. sunken garden. Whoa. Look them. at these course names. Oh, blackberry yeah. gardens. Hell yeah. So blackberry farms. Oh. Um, <laughs> so blackberry farms was this weird, weird, weird nine hole track. Um, you'd look at it and it looks like a park that somebody just built greens in. Um, so they're like, they just place, markers where they decide the tea boxes are in somewhere in the fairway so there was no real tea boxes um some of the holes did have them but they they just had some makeshift circular greens yeah. out there in during the summer they had like a big pool 
um, that they opened up for the kids to come out. So whenever we were in like day camps, they always brought us to Blackberry Farms. Yeah, um, that kind of sounds like the OG Sheep Ranch, where it's like we built 13 greens and you can kind of do whatever you want. <laughs> I'm, of, I'm sure conditions to, weren't quite the same, but you know what I'm saying. Very similar. I mean, the greens were in pretty good shape, um, you know, for for what it was. So it was great when I was a kid, and it was an easy walk for my grandma. Um, and then we would go to Sunken Gardens, um, which was a great track out in Sunnyvale, um, just like an executive nine, a really short. I love that name. It sounds like a good like brewery or something. And you know what? It is sunken too. So it's like in this <laughs> like sunken gully, like surrounded by these like apartment complexes. It's really, really funky, but like um, it's kind of serene too and quiet. Um, yeah. it's very interesting interesting course um we'll have to like go out and play all three of these courses i grew up on in like one day since yeah we're, like, short nine holders that'd be awesome um and then prune ridge um which yeah. i mentioned earlier so we'd rotate between those every you know every sunday um and then she'd come over to my parents house and uh, have dinner as a family so that's the, the, the what like what special memories i bet that was incredible yeah it was awesome so pretty much from the ages of you know 10 up to like mid-teens um i did that with my grandma almost every sunday um and then you know, I never really had any friends growing up uh, that played golf. So, you know, golf was always a family oriented outing mm-hmm. um, or I played by myself uh, and I played by myself a lot. But when I did go out with my dad, it was always a special treat. Um, my dad's one of the worst golfers you'd ever meet in your life. Um, really? I wouldn't expect that either. He's horrible. Like, absolutely fucking horrible. Um, like, it is, it's rough. The real like, question is, would he agree? Oh, yeah. And okay. he'd be the first person to tell you how bad he is and how he doesn't care either. He gives no shits that he is a a world-class awful golfer. Um, but what irritates me is he has a hole-in-one and I don't. And I am... It's yeah, not even a, comparable to the difference in in um, our abilities of playing. So very frustrating in that aspect. Yeah. Um, but you know, my dad, you know, when we did go out, it was always super competitive between me and my brother. So my brother started playing golf because I started playing golf. Um, Remember you and, said that you said all he cares about is beating you. That, so that was our whole lives growing up for the most part is whenever we played golf, all we cared about was beating the other person. So, you know, that was my drive for the longest time was to be better, to have the ability better than my brother. I could care less how good of a golfer I got as long as it was good enough to beat my brother. And, you know, my brother is a very athletic person. So, you know, he's he's definitely, um, you know, can hit the ball long. He always hit it longer than me. So I always found ways to beat around him. Um, and so I always, always worked heavily on my approach shots, my short game and my, and my, uh, putting. And I mean, you've golfed with me. That's still probably my strong suit. Now I'm very Jordan Spieth-esque when it comes to off the tee. Um, I step up to that. Well, you, 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 you hit it on the planet a lot more than he does. You're not long, but you like, like what a shotgun start culture and speed like the the um the duct tape boy like you're not a duct tape boy <laughs> no but there's there's plenty of times i step up to the tee box and i go well we'll see what happens here 
So well, well, I will say I've been told the two things I've been told about Chris from afar was he hits a big cut off the tee and he's like really good with his short game. And on our golf trip, I joked he was like a generational straight driver of the golf ball. Everything was looked pulled, but it was just I was just like clearly he just was not he was hitting the club face wasn't quite open enough. So he's hitting these really great drives that were just, you know, along the left side of the fairway. And I was like, man. I was like, Big Chris, just a generationally straight driver of the golf one. He was like, dude, I've never hit this many, like, air quotes, straight drives ever in my life. It was it was miraculous um, to be able to play that many rounds in a row and not have a 20-yard uh, left to right. So, yeah, it, you know, it, it comes and goes. But, um, you know, as – my uh, job being a club fitter and uh you know club builder um i uh, am constantly tinkering so that doesn't help at all when you have a wide array of you know drivers and shafts that you can constantly switch out and and play with in uh equipment swap so that doesn't help my this game. this will be another podcast but i'll all go ahead and tell you is to call chris a t- like to call him a tinkerer is like the understatement of the century like there there's a time we played this course castle oaks last like in november and i just pull up and i look and i look and not only like is the actual golf bag different i looked in there and i go is and he just goes yep everything is different put it in the week before I mean, I don't know. So it's just like, and now he's using this ping putter. It's like four rounds in a row. And it's like the most jarring thing where it's like four rounds in a row at the same putter. Like it feels weird. Cause I'm the opposite. Like once I find stuff, I like, like he can attest to my best club is a hybrid I bought in 2008. Like I am not a tinker. I like to get my stuff and stick with it. Technology people. Hybrid technology. Yeah. Cleveland, throw us, throw us that sponsor and start making those clubs again. Like bring, get the people what they want. So the highborn never left. It's, still around uh they're just now calling it the hb launcher so they got a little fancy with the name um like, but why are still... golf marketing companies why are they so bad like rad speed like stop that's horrible yeah, the, hb the names, launcher the names coming out right now they're either like uh number alphabetical weird like long names um or they're just like let's mash like distance and forgiveness and all these weird names and words together and just create a number like yeah we don't we don't need another no, yeah. epic whatever with Callaway but they they're gonna keep putting it out so yeah. um well that's another podcast we'll yeah. get into that um okay so so are, are you done with your story about your is that your connection to golf anything else you want to share meeting the people that I've met on the golf course has always led to um, more opportunities as well. Um, You know, one great thing I've always fell in love with with public golf um, and it's my favorite thing about public golf um, is actually going out as a single playing with random strangers and coming across one or two people that you do connect with. Uh, there's going to be a lot of foursomes that you play with and I'm sure you've experienced it that you just come off like, Oh man, I want to finish this 18 holes and and get the hell out of here. Um, but then there's some 18 holes where you're like exchanging numbers and getting excited to play with that person again. Um, and I've experienced that multiple times. Um, totally. Especially during, you know, with with our connection with RGC and then um, on top of it, 
um, you know, in the COVID times, um, I've really met some great people across all the different rounds that I've played. Um, you, you know, with me going out to Sacramento when they closed all our courses here in the Bay Area, I came across playing, you know, with an ex, uh, you know, Kings, Sacramento Kings basketball player that I ended up playing a few cash games with and I still take, uh, you know, stay connected with today. Yeah. Um, so the people you come across on public golf, you, it doesn't matter what you do for a living. Um, it really matters, you know, your love for the game and your love for, um, you know, meeting new people and growing, you know, your, your feelings towards, towards why you're out there. And, um, you know, it's just, it's probably, it's just a hard thing to express why public golf is such an incredible feeling. And, um, yeah, but it's, I mean, it's yeah. my favorite thing in the whole world. I'm it. I'm obsessed, and I can't get over it. Yeah, I mean, totally. Because I, I think the, I think the feeling of, I mean, I know obviously it's their business model, right? But also, I think the fact of like, the fact that you are just that no matter who you are, feel um, you feel included. I mean, I know for me, one of the things that now, as I've gotten older, moving back to Atlanta before moving back here and also certain things like no laying up uh neil and tron who actually went to my high school it's kind of weird uh they talked about recently is with with kind of fresh eyes especially coming to the bay area uh public golf in atlanta is horrible um and i think what's really interesting is most people i get why think like atlanta georgia augusta golf like i get the natural connection but Atlanta is not a good place for public golf. Um, but it's, you know, definitely a haven for private golf. I mean, for example, Neil and Tron, they grew up at Dunwoody Country Club, which I played a ton as uh, when I was in high school because that was one of the courses. But going back to your example, Chris, like my high school golf experience, um, I don't think we won. We, we played Lanier, Lanier Country Club, which sounds private but is public. But I would say that... 80, 80, at least 80% of the golf I played on my high school team was all private clubs who let us, who let us play, or we had a member on the team or a kid on the team whose parent was a member. So like Cherokee golf club in Atlanta, private Dunwoody country club, private, um, Atlanta athletic club, private, uh, country club of the South, private, uh, Rivermont, private um and then we played Lanier so Lanier was our like most courses I played I knew that the only way I was going to play it was through high school golf which is just kind of weird I mean it doesn't really matter at this point but it's but that was how I grew up and then it's like people like where do you play and I'm like North Fulton which is kind of this you know all scruffy like not great greens you know like like very like Bermuda and like especially because it's so hot in Georgia this is kind of pre some courses were doing champions Bermuda but it was really just Bermuda because they could leave it long in the summertime and it wouldn't die you know it's kind of like putting on carpet but like that wasn't the point you know like we were out there just uh like that's where you know my dad said you just need to play play and play again and suck suck and suck again until one day hit a pure seven iron it's like okay and then you kind of feel yourself becoming a golfer um but it was just very different growing up in Atlanta. And that's one of the things I feel about the Bay is like, there's definitely moments where I get not frustrated. Like for example, this weekend, I'm going up to, I think it's Windsor. You, 
I don't, yes. Windsor Golf Club. Yeah. Santa Rosa, like, I'm excited, but also, like, do I love the fact that I'm going to drive, you know, two and a half hours round trip to play golf? Like, no. But I think the fact that, like, within a three hour radius, you can attest, I mean, you can actually probably get a number. Within like a three-hour radius, San Francisco, it feels like there's a limitless number of golf courses that I can play. We're in Atlanta. That's just not a reality. Like my buddy Nick, who fell in love, we, we should actually get him on here too because he is one of my best friends uh, for a while. Never had never played golf before, and then in COVID, just heard me be like, "Golf is saving me. Golf is saving me." And bought a set of Strata clubs, you know, for like 250 bucks, and the dude is now like i mean equally as sick as we are like like literally just now like we t- we, we talk every monday night he was in bed next to his his girlfriend listening to like the butt club podcast he fell asleep like he's all has been to sweetens cove twice like is all in on kind of this movement nick's probably the best ambassador for what we're talking about but he we play he keeps playing the same course that we played um during covid it's just outside of atlanta it's 40 bucks to walk greens are in pretty good shape but he just keep but like at first he was like i want to try their courses and then he tried other courses and was like these totally suck so now he just plays it's called river pines he plays river pines every week because that's kind of sucks though to live in atlanta it's like as far as like a golf course he feels like he has one option and that is not how we feel again we've had bad experiences you know, I have to drive a little bit but we do not have one golf course to play and i feel very lucky for that no yeah i mean the so i mean the vast array of types of courses that we get to play and the amount of um you know, different architects that we get to experience on a regular basis, uh, just within, like you said, three hour, you know, drive in either direction. It's just absolutely incredible. I mean, as everybody knows, you know, the good Dr. Alistair McKenzie blessed us with some of the, you know, best courses in, you know, some that are public that we get to play, you know, whenever we want. Yeah, some of them are a little expensive. Past Tiempo, um, one of the best courses in the world. That's my number one course I want to play. You know, it's, I mean, you're pushing 300 bucks to play there, but it's an experience that you're only going to experience, you know, if you're at Augusta or if you're, you know, in Australia experiencing some of his tracks over there. It's just, it, I was lucky enough in high school that we had a high school fundraising tournament every year. So I got to play it four times um, while I was in high school. Um, that was before the restoration. So I haven't seen it since um, the restoration happened, but I mean, I was blessed to be able to go out there and play, you know, a shotgun scramble every year for a fundraiser. So you know, and then of course we've got Monterey right down the road. And I mean, it's just endless, the amount of options that we have, we've got the, yeah. you know, beautiful Karika that's just getting uh, finished that every RGCSF guy has just been obsessed with since it, since the South course open. I, um, I, I think I, I think within two months of living here, I think I played Karika six times. Yeah, and I mean the greens are just the greens are unbelievable. Since it's opened, I've played there three or four times, and you can't even score tea time 
nope. anymore there, um, especially with COVID. So, you know, we've even found a loophole where you show up at, you know, right when they open and you put yourself on the waiting list and hope That's that nobody old course style. show up. Yeah, old course style. So, you know, it's, it's just one of the best kept courses in the area. Um, it's very consistent every time you go out. I know you're excited. I'm excited everyone in the bay area is excited it, it feels like it open. feels like a treat it it really is and it having two world-class a teams built by robert trent jones jr um it's just it, it's definitely a treat you know and if you've never been to the little island of alameda it's such a cool little you know little pocket out right outside of oakland that's just you know a little gem of a town. Um, so if you ever get a chance, I mean, that's, that's a golden place to go to. Yeah. But yeah, the yeah. experiences I've had between, you know, here and even Sacramento, probably one of the most underrated areas in, um, in California for golf, everybody talks about Southern California and the Bay area. But I mean, with some of the courses that you experience in Sacramento, um and again we'll get in we'll have another podcast where we get into the the regions that we've lived in and you know what makes those regions great about um their public golf scene it's you know it's i've been very spoiled and i spent a lot of time up in portland as well um living there and that's where i met my wife so um the courses that i was able to experience in in oregon too i mean in my opinion between Oregon and Michigan, um, those might be the two most hidden gem uh, states for public golf. So, and again, we'll get into those another further podcast. But yeah, um, for this first podcast, kind of just wanted to introduce ourselves to the uh, to the listeners and get a little warm introduction and talk uh, hamstrings. You know, yeah, talk, talk stretching. <laughs> Which I'm gonna have to do very frequently because we have another uh, another golf trip coming up. Um, second SoCal right. trip, a little Palm Springs action, some Rams Hill. So you know, another podcast will we'll get into that as well and introduce uh, a couple of the people that were uh, that are gonna join yeah. us on that trip. So and, and and also too, I mean, we're trying to it's like we're doing scheduling live which is never fun to listen to but you know i, I can bring my microphone and we could even do a couple a couple pods with the with, or even maybe like a recap pod at the end or we, we can definitely find a way to to talk more about that because one of the things i'll you know to brag on chris um i i'm sort of even though i've played golf my whole life um i'm very new to golf trips like i think my first ever real golf trip was last summer me and my buddy nick who i mentioned a couple of our friends we went to alabama for the robert trent jones trail which I cannot give enough of a ringing endorsement. Uh, it was a hundred dollars with a cart to play as much golf as you want. And the judge is sure you've heard about it. It's one of the hardest golf courses I'd ever played. I know that I, my golf swing was not on, uh, the first day we played, uh, I lost nine golf balls on the first nine holes at the time I was a 4.2 handicap. So one plus one equals two. Uh, maybe also means I wasn't a 4.2 handicap, but you know, who's to say, um, but yeah, so I'm kind of new to the golf trip, like new to golf trips, but you know, Chris has been such a great Sherpa to help us get through like different courses, different designs, different areas. And I think the big thing, which probably doesn't a public golf also to talk about is, I mean, I do find like, it's gotta be affordable, man. Like I, I, I like, That's especially for 
if, if we're, we're going to do these a couple times camps. a year, yeah. I mean, if we're doing this a couple times a year, like, yeah, like it's super exciting. The idea of some of these golf trips, but even like when I've heard, you know, Solly knowing up guys or uh, the chasing scratch guys talk about like their Ireland trip, they're like, you're talking four or five grand before airfare. Like I can probably do that you know, maybe a couple times in my life, but that's gotta be like a lot of budgeting. Like if we're going to do a golf trip, like six weeks out, it's gotta be at a number where it's like, okay, I can like save a little here, move a little here. I can't be dropping commas on trips. And I think that's where we could even do a podcast talking about how you think about golf and how you keep it cheap. But that's sort of, again, like we're doing these at these like great golf courses, but you know, I know one of our favorite courses, like the fact like rustic canyons, like $55, that's a game changer, you know? Um, um, super game changer. And again, sort of the embodiment of what public golf should be where conditions are fantastic. Uh, you know, a, a full tee sheet pace of play is good and it's affordable. Like if we just have those things, if we can get as much of that as possible into the world uh, and people also do their part and play fast and are respectful, that's it, man. I mean, we got a long way to go, but I think that's kind of, there are certain beacons of hope like rustic Canyon that I think give us hope for what, icons what we want golf to be that I think people should try to embody as much as they can. Right. Yeah. And I mean, that, that's why we, we love this and it, it that's actually what fuels me uh, to keep wanting to play um, different courses and experience all these things because people talk about, you know, these grand architectural, you know, masterpieces that are built and they're all private or resort style and, you know, hard and difficult and expensive for people to play. But then you've got places like Rustic Canyon, where um, was built by a world-renowned um, architect. You know, Gil Hans goes to Rustic Canyon to, to build it, and there was a course that was damaged and ruined by floods only, you know, 20, 25 miles, 30 miles away called Soul Park. And so when he was building Rustic Canyon, um, he, he goes, hey, what's going on with Soul Park? And he kept asking, um, you know, the people that ran the, ran the golf course about it. And he ended up making multiple trips out there and then actually redesigning Soul Park as well while he was in the area. And for those two courses to be designed by somebody like Gil Hantz, um, and we can go down there on a Thursday or Friday and – under $90 play 36 holes. Gotcha. I mean, that's, it's crazy. Um, and you know, those are the, those are the kind of gems that I look for when we play when I play in these golf trips and even locally for us, like we, you were just talking about earlier in the pod where we went out and played castle Oaks. I mean, this course is in the middle of nowhere. It is in this little town called I own California. You drive past like literal Stockton. Main Street, literally Main Street. Main Street, I own California. There's this old hotel that looks like a castle that you can see from the golf course, thus the name Castle Oaks. Um, and it's just this crazy cool, quirky design. 18th hole split fairway to like this island fairway that you can cut like a good 180 yards off your shot if you decide to take the risk. It's I, just, I, I I will say I played terribly that day. I hit driver gap wedge. Yeah. Because I because I took the most aggressive line and hit a perfect drive. We all I think all four of us playing that day took that aggressive line. We 
all were very lucky that we all were able to make the little island fairway. Um, and I hope that it was, it was, the it, it only was sopping one that hit wet. The green from there. It was sopping wet. That really helped because my ball in the summertime would have gone in the water for sure. But I mean, that that course yeah. we played on a Sunday at 1030 in the, you know, 1030. We had 27 morning. in too. Yeah, and we played 27, and they gave us the second, you know, they, it would, if we could have got 18 in, they would have allowed us to, but it got too I think dark. they comped our carts. That's what it was. They comped they, our carts and only charged just $18 to play the second 18. Yeah. And the first 18 was only like 49 bucks. So, yeah. you know, the amount of golf in America, and especially if you don't mind searching for it, it's there and but that's where i give you credit because you dig more than anybody i've ever met i mean that's it's 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 almost like a disease i mean i wake up wanting to play other new adventurous golf courses i don't care about the drive i i have lists after list after list of you know tracks that i've done research and found and heard on pod other podcasts and have read on one of my yeah. favorite uh blogs the friday and you know all these different lists and just kind of compiled my own to where i probably have over a thousand courses written down yeah. um that are all public that are all under a hundred dollars to play like if you guys want to know what it is to be Big Chris's friend, you're probably going to get a text. It's a slightly weird hour. One word is definitely going to be misspelled. Well, it's going to it's going to be two messages. The first is the first is going to have some kind of misspelling. The second is going to be clarifying, but it's going to be like something like check out this six misspelled track with like five exclamation marks. Sorry, like misspell. And then you click the link and you're like, whoa, where is that? and then we go play it and like that's the fun part where it's like because i'm more of the opposite i love to do that but i'm more of living in san francisco it's like i'll just go play the presidio every week it's like an eight minute drive from my house it's a fun course and it's affordable which i can still do but it's like when chris is like we got to drive to like because i remember you said castle oaks and i was like i think marcus our friend marcus we were like yeah it's like more than two hours and eventually chris kept talking we're like you know what man we'll spend five if you if you are going to ride this hard for a golf course we'll spend five hours in the car today to go play and it was worth it i mean i don't think it was as good like because also no, there was so there was like the superintendent greens, issues and like yeah, it wasn't your so fault the conditions weren't great again they were having over 200 people you know a day playing it for the last six seven months i mean which that course is averaging usually between 80 and 120 people at the best playing and, and they had a new super right chris they had a new super so they they were in a lot of transitions um you know I always want to give a little bit of respect to the course if they're, you know, going through transitions or, you know. And it was clear they were trying. Like, it was it was one of those places like you could understand. Like, there's some places where it's like, you know, the, the conditioning is like, y'all aren't paying attention or y'all are not putting money in the right places. You could tell the intention was right. Like, my guess is post-COVID when natural traffic dies down, new management gets in there. Like, I could definitely see. I mean, I think the biggest thing was even though, like, greens weren't perfect really fun interesting course for sure yeah yeah i mean it's just it the design of it is just you know incredible it's one of my favorite tracks in the area and yeah again we'll have other pods where we get into you know our favorite tracks and little pockets of you know uh areas that we think are are the ones that probably have the best public golf that we've experienced ourselves but you know i think that's 
going to do it for tonight. Yeah. I think we can wrap it's it up. It's a there. good first conversation. Yeah. So, um, you know, next, next podcast, I think we'll go into, um, more about the public, our next trip and the public golf courses that we're, uh, most excited to play next in the, um, the pockets that we live in now and, uh, what makes the public golf so good in our, in our, in our own areas. Sounds good. Well, we're excited to do this and thank y'all for listening. Yes, sir. Thank you.